0: Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Let's begin by praying this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you that because of you and your son, we have a sure hope for our future, for all of eternity. It's all based on the work of your son on the cross and his resurrection. We thank you for, for, your, for your son. Father, we thank you that you are who you are, that your love and your power and your grace We thank you, Father, that in all of that, you have provided us eternal life simply by believing in your Son and his death and resurrection. Father, we also thank you that you have given us your word, and we have it in writing, and we have the opportunity through the power of the Spirit to understand it. We ask today, Father, that you would watch over everybody who's here, everybody who's a part of our congregation, the church in this country and around the world. We pray for our country this morning. We, pay, we pray especially, Father, for the victims of the collapsed tower in Miami. We just pray, Father, that you would uh, comfort all those who have lost loved ones. And we pray all of this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right. Well, good morning again, everybody. A um, couple of announcements before we get started. Uh, I guess the announcements are getting started, but all right, so once again, I think this will be the last time I'll put this up, but this for the time being is our mailing address because we are going to be portable, we're going to be moving maybe at least twice, so we want to keep that constant, so that's our mailing address. Um, I say it because some people, I'm going to say it now because some people just hear us on Sundays, so 3907 North Federal Highway, Suite 223, Pompano Beach, Florida 33064. Next Sunday is the Lord's Supper. It's also the last Sunday that we'll have service here, July 4th. Okay, so next Sunday is it, all right? Um, But but on the other hand, this Thursday, we're going to have Bible study in person. Just one more time, Thursday night at 6.30. So that's something to look forward to. Um, Again, we'll have one more Sunday service in this building. Bible study on Thursday 6.30 6.30 at the church. By the way, for those of you that can't make it, as always, we'll also be running Skype so you can participate the way you have been um, for the last, gosh, I don't know, almost a year now, probably over a year now. Yeah. Anyway, so that's, uh, that's, that's something to look forward to. Um, after that, starting on July 8th, we're going to start to have services at CAM Consulting, our CAM this company. And uh, again, I want to thank you for that. Um, and we're going to st- I'm going to give you this morning their address, which is there. Camp Consulting, 1407 West Newport Center Drive, Deerfield Beach, Florida, 33442. I give that first because I know everybody these days just plugs in the address and hits that button, and it's like turn by turn, and there I come. Um, I'm old-fashioned, though, all right? So I'm, what I'm about to do is actually put up... A map. Yes. So make sure you get that down. I saw somebody taking a picture of it, which is a great idea. Of course, it'll be on the website as well. So, you know, you'll have an opportunity. Go to today's message and the slides will all be there. Um, I do, again, want to put up the map, though, so you can kind of get a sense of it. Let me get you oriented. All right. Can you see that at all? At all? Okay, good. This, by the way, is Southwest 10th Street. Okay, Sawgrass, for those of you that are coming from the west. If you kept going, you'd eventually hit Federal Highway. And then you'd come down, and then we'd be over here right now, Federal Highway. But that's not on the map, because that's not where we're going to be. Right? Instead, here's 95. All right? Now, if you come in 95 either way, actually, all right, you want to get off on the exit going west. All right? So you want to go this way. Now, you see this first turn here? That's it. There's, it's, there's a sign that says Newport Center. Okay? On the other side is a Publix depot, and you'll see trucks all the time. Publix. So those are two markers to say, okay, I'm in the right place. But it's the first left after coming off 95. Okay? For those of you that are coming from the west, um, it'll be right before 95, so keep an eye out for it. There is a red light here as well, so you can, you can mark it by that. Um, what else do I want to tell you? Oh, really important! Once you turn here, you just come. You just keep going, all right, until this point. Now, the way you'll know it's that you've gotten there is if you look at the right turns. There's one, two, three, four, five. Fifth right turn. So that's it again. So you got ninety-five. Go west. First red light. Take a left. Oops, right here. And one, two, three, four, five. Be sure to count that because it can get confusing. I've been lost a couple of times in there. We're not really knowing because I sometimes can't count to five. But in any event, those of you that have turn by turn, hopefully it will be a little easier. All right, so that's where we're headed. I'm looking forward to it. We're going to be face-to-face. We're going to continue to do that. Um, We're going to have Bible study Thursday here and Sunday services here as well until we find a new location, wherever that might be. All right, so that's that. I wanted to make sure you had that information this morning. Um, Once again, just as a reminder, after we close, we'll have a month to get out of here completely, and uh, we're going to need help, some help anyway, packing for our move. Um, The the contract says as is condition, but at the same time, we don't want to leave a mess. So we're going to be cleaning things up, packing, and so forth. Again, we're still looking for a suitable place to relocate. So please keep that in prayer if you notice anything that you think might be suitable, by all means. By the way, suitable, I just want to mention that we have people, you probably all know this, but we have people coming from the north, we have people around here, we have people coming from the south, and a few, like me, who come from the west. And so given that, we don't want to stray too, too far from like this location. But we'll go north, we'll go south a little, you know, anyway. Just to give you some idea, 1,500 square feet should do it for us, and that's that. All right, so I hope I've got everything that I need to tell you this morning. Um, that, That will begin our message. Please turn in your Bibles to John chapter 5, verse 24. John chapter 5, verse 24, and we'll get started this morning. Title of today's message, Life or Judgment? Life or Judgment? It's the ultimate decision. It's the ultimate paths, two paths. One leads to life, one leads to judgment. We're going to see how to get on one path or the other this morning. We're going, to, we're going to see how this all relates to the person of Christ. And we're going to see how in the section that we have this morning, we're going to see this repeated three or four times. This, this absolute opposite, polar opposites between life and judgment. And we're going to see how it all begins by the, what the Father and the Son are all about. Right? That the Father, the Father has judgment, but he, 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 said, he gives it all to the Son. The Father has life in himself. The Son has life in himself. And it's by that, that relationship, that life now comes through Jesus to, to humans, to man. But on the other side, judgment also comes through Christ to man. So that's a big picture overview. Let's begin in verse 24 this morning. And as I read, I want you to just notice every time life or judgment are mentioned, and they're usually mentioned together in most places. By the way, you know, I was thinking about this coming in today, even though I have a starting in verse 24. I do want to show you, if you'd back up a little bit to verse 21, I want to show you that we've already been here in terms of life and judgment. So just go back indulge me and look at John 5, 21. For just as the Father, notice it begins with the Father, raises the dead and gives them life. There's life. So even so, the Son gives life to whom he wishes. And we saw that he lines up with the Father's will and it's the Father's will that whoever believes in the Son will have eternal life. Then look at 22. 22. But not even the Father, what? Judges anyone. So you have life, all right, in verse 21, but you have judgment in verse 22. So there's our introduction to this, these opposites, life and judgment. For not even the Father judges anyone, but he has given all judgment to the Son. There's that unique relationship between the Father and the Son in the area of life and judgment. Okay, so let's pick it up now in John chapter 5, verse 24. Skip down now to where we really begin today. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and does not come into judgment, but has passed out of death into life. Verse 25, truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and now is. When the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. For just as the Father has life in himself, even so he gave to the Son also to have life in himself. And and he gave him authority to execute judgment, because he is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming, in which all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and will come forth. Those who did the good to a resurrection of life. Those who committed the evil to a resurrection of judgment. I hope you can see that as we read through these these, uh, verses from 24 to 29, that pattern of life and judgment appears several times. That indeed is the main message. But it's really, remember, it, it spawns out of the relationship between the father and the son. So always keep that in mind. In a sense, what we have today is an application of that incredible relationship between the father and the son, whereby the father has given the son life in himself. We'll see more about that. And the father has given all judgment to the son. So that's the, that's the ultimate general picture, reality of, of life from the father given, given to the son to have life in himself. Judgment, the father gives it to the son. That's the general picture. But today we're going to see the the, the critical application for man, which is in the area, again, of life and judgment as it has to do with us. So that Jesus Christ is the mediator, the intermediate, the mediator. He is between God and man. And it's he who has the power in his word of giving life. And also his word will be the means of judgment. So I want you to understand this morning that we're moving into applying this to us to all mankind, to those who believe and to those who don't. All right. So again, verses 24 to 29 describe the ultimate matters. The ultimate matters around being a human being are life and judgment. That's the ultimate. People want to know why are we here? Well, we're here to have eternal life so that we will never come into judgment. That's God's design. That's why we're here. Because that gives glory to him. And ultimately, the whole purpose of the human race is to give glory to God. And, we, and even that is done by having glory given to the Son. The whole Bible, as I mentioned before, is about the, the displaying the glory of the Son of God. Okay. Verses 24 to 29 describe these ultimate matters, life and judgment. And again, as I've mentioned, these are polar opposites. You can't get more opposite than life and judgment or life and condemnation. Okay? Those are total opposites. And yet, either one of them are, are available, if I could put it that way, to each and every person. Okay? And remember, I mentioned this already, but both opposites come from the same source. God... And then the one who has the power to give life and the authority to judge. And then the father has given those things to the son. I'm going to keep repeating because it's so important that we understand this all comes out of that unique relationship between the father and the son. God gave his son to have life in himself and he gave his son to have authority to judge all mankind. And he has an instrument by which he does that. And that is his voice. That is his word. So ultimately, the big picture of life for mankind is answering this question. Who will hear his voice and believe his word? That's the matter of life or judgment. That's how it comes into each and every person's life. Do you hear the voice and believe his word? Do you hear the voice of the gospel being preached and believe it? That is the basis for whether you you live in life or judgment for all eternity. It's pretty straightforward. Now, there are two time periods today that are mentioned. One is now, that which now is, and the other which is that hour which is to come. So there are these two time frames. All right. So we're going to look at that because the fact of the matter is that this whole issue of life for judgment is urgent. It's urgent, meaning it's a now thing, if I could put it that way. The hour that now is. This is the day. Right. This is the time of salvation. This is the day that God has has reserved for those to come to believe in His Son and have life. Okay, as we as we as we know from Second Corinthians six two. So it's urgent. It's now. There's a part of this that's now. It's the part now as we're going to see determines the ultimate destiny. An hour now is, and that hour is described in verse twenty four. This is the hour that now is. This time period now, the acceptable time, is when somebody can hear his word and believe him who sent him, God the Father. Those are the same things, by the way, said in two different ways. Again, verse 24 of chapter 5. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me. All right, that's the same thing, by the way. Hearing the word of God and believing the one who sent him has What tense is has? Is it the future tense? The future tense would be what? Will have or might have. This says has. When? Now. And our now is. Keep going. And does not come into judgment. Does not. What tense is that? Is that future? No, because it would be will not. Right? It says what? Does not come into judgment. And then the last one. But has passed out of death into life. When you believe in Jesus Christ for salvation, all of these things happen to you at an instant. You have eternal life. You receive it now. You can live in it now. And you'll always have it. You will not come into judgment ever again. Romans eight one. There is therefore now... No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And that's already happened. You already have eternal life. God has already declared you righteous. You will never come into judgment. And not only that, but you have passed out of death into life already. We were all born dead in our trespasses and sins. But when we were dead, God made us alive. You're already alive. I know you're alive physically, but we're talking spiritually. We're talking about the ultimate life that you have now and can participate in right now. That eternal life, that life of God, that life that God has in himself, that that the Son of God has in himself, that life, that quality of life you have now, that quality of life which is described in Galatians chapter 5 as the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience. Kindness, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. All of that is eternal life that we have opportunity to participate in right now. Whoever believes in he who sent the Son has eternal life, does not come into judgment, has passed out of death into life. You will never go the other way. You will never again go from life to death. That's a one-way ticket. Okay, so he has passed out of death into life. You have come, you started in the darkness, but now you have become sons and daughters of light. And that will never change. Nobody goes from the light back into the darkness. I'm talking about spirits. I'm talking about the way God has set things up. So John five twenty four is about right now. But there's another passage, too, I want you to see this morning that we've been at not too long ago. And that's John chapter 3, verse 16 to 18. This is also about now, the hour that now is. Now is the acceptable time. For those of you here that have believed in Christ and you already have eternal life and you already have passed out of death into life and you never will come out of judgment, this morning what I ask you to do is to now think about your brothers and sisters who are unbelievers. All right, Think about the people of the world who haven't believed in Christ yet. The the now is really for them. They have an opportunity right now to pass from death into life by believing in the Lord Jesus Christ and his death and resurrection. They have an opportunity today to never come under judgment again. They have an opportunity today to have that eternal life, which is the life of God. That all can happen today to somebody. And how does it work? They hear the voice. And they believe what is said. It's that simple. It's that simple. Now, I mention this a lot when I repeat because things that are crystal clear to you right now, when you hear them, you probably said, I know that. I've heard that a thousand times. I get that. But now, remember that we leave here and we go into the world where we'll never hear that. Where there'll be pressure and people and words, all of whom will try to deny all of that. All of that. Even within churches, they'll say that you have to work for your eternal life. And even in churches, they'll say that you might lose it, right? Or that there is, if you listen to so many pulpits today, the pastors are always coming down on the people talking about judgment, judgment, judgment. If you don't do this, God will be mad at you. That's all a lie. And so how do you combat a lie? By hearing the truth over and over and over again. This is a place not not only to mention that, but also, you know, I know, I thank God for you who have come here all the time, been here for years. But never forget that there there could be somebody who's come here for the first time. And they haven't heard this. Or there could be somebody on the Internet this morning. And they haven't heard it. For them, this is the day. The day they hear the message, the good news, have an opportunity to believe it. And at that moment, they go from death to life. They have eternal life that they didn't have before. They were under judgment. They were under the wrath of God. And now by hearing the message and believing it, they'll never come into judgment again. This is a now thing for so many people, for millions and billions of people out there that we meet every day. And so what does this say in John three sixteen to 18? Let's read it together. For God so loved the world. The world is the world of unbelievers. all right. And it was used to be us. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whoever believes in him shall not perish, never comes into judgment, but shall have now eternal life. For God did not send the son in the world. His purpose was not to judge the world. The purpose of sending the son was that the whole world might be saved through him. God is not willing that any should perish. Jesus Christ is the Savior of all men, especially believers. Okay? That the world might be saved through him. Verse 18. He who believes in him is not judged. Now, you see, I'm not the only one who repeats myself. You see, Jesus does, right? We heard in John 25, 24, this same message. He said it in John three sixteen. By the way, he'll say it again. So I might teach another whole message on this same thing. Why? Because if it's important enough for Jesus to repeat, it's important for us to to hear over and over again. Verse 18, he who believes in him is not judged. Life or judgment, you believe, you don't come into condemnation ever again. However, here's the polar opposite. And we don't want to talk about that. So often we we want to drop off of our minds, of our consciousness, the reality of judgment. We can't do that. We can't do that. Everybody has to understand that these are the choices for every human being. It's either life, eternal, God's life, or judgment, condemnation, the wrath of God. Now, why do I say that? Because people need to understand the stakes that are involved. Now, we're going to see in a little while this morning that it has nothing to do with sin. They are not going to be judged because they've sinned. If that were true, all of us would have to be condemned. All of us would have to be judged because we're all sinners. The only issue is, do you believe in the Son of God who died for you and rose again? But the issue of judgment and and life are part of that. All right. So we need to remember that. Certainly in our own motivation for giving the gospel. But also to tell them this is serious business. This ain't no disco. This ain't no fooling around. Right. This is serious. The ultimate serious thing. They need to know that. They don't need to hear how they have to repent of their sins because that's not the message. But they do need to hear that life for mankind consists of two polar opposites. It's either life or judgment. Again, verse 18. He who believes in Christ, the Son of God, is not judged, never will be. However, he who does not believe, notice this word, has been judged already. When when is that happening? Is that happening only in the future? Does this say, will be judged someday? What does it say? Has been judged already. So there is a now... To judgment, just like there's a now to eternal life. Both of those issues have to do with what's going to happen now for people. Are they going to believe now? Now, when I say now, I don't just mean the hour from 10 to 11. I mean their life. You see, those who don't, as the book of Hebrews says, one life to live and then comes the judgment. However, we start out under judgment. (laughs) We, so we all started out under the wrath of God. We're all, we all were children of wrath. Therefore, the, the beginnings condition of all of mankind is to be under judgment. Those who don't believe stay there. And by that fact of not believing in Christ, they've really been judged already. Now, there will be a future time when that will, will culminate, result in, be, be resolved by the resurrection of life or judgment. It's the same thing. Life or judgment. Now and in the future. All right. So, he who believes in God's son has eternal life now. And does not come into judgment ever. He has gone from death to life. However, and it's an important however. It's important for our ministry of, of uh, reconciliation. In the sense of giving people the good news about the fact that God has reconciled all things to himself through the death of his son. But this is an important part of that. He who does not believe now in this life, this is the only time when people could believe in Christ. Don't buy the nonsense that there'll be another time after they die where there's kind of a hangout place, you know, where people can once again hear the gospel and believe it. Nope. Nope. Now is the time. This life is the time. And he who does not believe now in this life has been judged already in this life. See, we tend to think of judgment only as a last day's thing. But remember, what happens now determines what happens in, in, in the last day. All right. So I want you to understand that those who don't believe, the wrath of God remains on them. This is serious business. And again, we tend not to like that part. But we need to, not to like it, but we need to include it in how we think about the unbeliever and what we tell them. All right. But again, got to emphasize this. Why is he judged? Notice verse 18 again. He who believes in him is not judged. He who does not believe has been judged already. Why? Because he has not repented of all his sins. Is that what it says? No. There's not who has not promised to do better in the future, who has not committed his life and made Jesus his Lord. Does it say that? What does it say? Simply has not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. He is not judged for his sins. So here's a question I have. If he's not judged for his sins, why do we have all the evangelists trying to make people say, You're not, you know, all right, how, have you ever stolen? Well, yes, that's one of my sins. Have you ever lied? Well, yes, that's one of my sins. Now, it's, now, the Holy Spirit will do that, will convict them. But the only issue is, do you believe in the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who died for you and rose from the dead? That's why people are judged, for not believing in the name of God's only Son. Alright, so that's the now. An hour now is. And there's a component of life in the now, has eternal life if you believe, and there's a component of judgment, has been judged already because they have not believed. So, what is it? When you boil it all down, we have this immense polar opposite, totally different from life and judgment. But what does it all come down to? For an individual person. Right, faith, believing. See it? The simplicity of devotion to Christ. That's where it's at. And that's where we should leave it. That's what we should always be focused on. Now, as we saw Jesus when he was with the Samaritan woman, all right, he had to lead her there. But he never took his eyes off the there, the person of Christ. And neither should we. Neither should we. All right. So that's the now. And then there's the hour to come. Now, this is where it gets... A little complicated, all right, so bear with me this morning. There are two different hours to come. When you think about it, it becomes really obvious, right? Because if there's, if there, if there's an hour to come when people have, still have the chance to believe, when is that hour to come? Still in this life, right? But there's another hour to come, which is called the last day, all right? We see both of these, all right? I'll I'll walk us through that. So, what the point is that the hour that comes in verse 25, an hour is, look at verse 25. Go back to John chapter 5. i got to bring you back there. You were in John chapter 3. Now, I hope you've noticed something. In, in our in our treatment of the Gospel of John, we've been going along for weeks with the narrative, with the story, right? And, and in a sense, that's sort of easier, all right? Even though the issues are the same. We're now into this place where Jesus is teaching. So guess what I have to do? I have to teach right along with him. So we've made a shift. I'm not talking about Jesus encountering the Samaritan woman or healing the man at Bethesda. And, you know, that's, that's, was, that's, of course, critical. Those are the signs. But... Then we come in and Jesus says, now I will teach. This is the first time, really, where he gives us extended discourse or teaching on a subject. Okay, so that's why it feels different all of a sudden. Because it is different. All right, look at John twenty five twenty five. Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and now is. When the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. Now, some people want to say, well, that's the end times. That's the last day when people will come out of their tombs and they'll be physically resurrected. Well, all right, let's think about that. If that's what the hour is coming, it also says what? An hour is coming and now is. Are the dead coming out of tombs this morning? No. So this hour to come can't be the one where Jesus calls everybody out of the tomb, can it? No, and and the fact, it makes perfect sense once you understand that when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live, that's talking about now. You see, the dead here in verse 25 refers to those who are dead in their trespasses and sins. Those who are dead in their trespasses and sins. So the first hour to come begins with the death and the resurrection of Christ. So the hour now is, ultimately refers to the fact that... Remember, Jesus is speaking this, he's in his public ministry, and he's talking about the people he was talking about. Just like today, I'm talking about the, to the people I'm talking about. But the hour to come stretches that out, so that there's a period of time. In other words, there's a period of time, and every, everybody's life fits into that, that period of time. An hour that is to come and now is. all right. That period of time, hour to come... Began with the death and resurrection of Christ. Okay? That's different from the other hour to come, which is the last day. All right? I, I know. I know. This is, it gets a little complicated. I just don't want you to think that verse 25 is talking about the same thing as verse 28. Because it's not. Here's what clinches it. To understand this point right here. All right. John 5, 25. Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and now is... When the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. You see, the dead now are not those that are in the tombs. They're not those that are physically dead. If that were true, if those were the ones who were dead, that would mean that the dead can hear the voice of God and live. They can believe in Christ after they're dead and have eternal life. No, they can't. You see, the dead refers to who we all were before we believed. The dead in their trespasses and sins, or what we—the death of separation from God—is another way of looking at it. But we were all born dead. <laughs> it's almost—it is a contradiction when you think about it, unless the born is physical and the dead is spiritual, and that's what we have here. Those who are dead in their trespasses and sins can hear the voice of God. Thank God that's true, because otherwise none of us would be saved. Even though we're dead in our trespasses and sins, we can hear the voice of God. Awake, sleeper, and Christ will shine on you. You hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. Now, what's the gospel? Those who believe have eternal life. So apparently, those who hear means those who believe. All right, and that's true. Those who hear, in verse 25, are those who believe. See, 25 and 24 go together. And so those who hear lines up with those who believe, as we saw in verse 24. They hear the voice of the Son of God, and they will live. They live refers to having eternal life now. The life of God, which every believer enjoys right now. Those who hear will have eternal life now. Well now you may have may have recognized that expression, hour is coming and now is. We've heard that before. And I'd like to show you exactly where. It's in John 4.23. In other words, that expression, an hour hour is coming and now is, is a very specific expression. Look at John 4.23. Look at John 4.23. An hour is coming and now is. That's what, that's what Jesus says in 5.24. Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and now is. He said the same thing in chapter, chapter 4, verse 23. Here, talking to the Samaritan woman. An hour is coming and now is, when the true worshipers, remember this, will worship the Father in spirit and truth for such people. The Father seeks to be his worshipers when? Now, as well as the hour to come. So Jesus here is saying, listen, we are starting with a new period of time. It's called the hour that's coming and now is. And in that whole period of time, there will be those who worship the Father in spirit and in truth. No longer will they be worshiping in the temple in Jerusalem. Now they'll be worshiping the Father in spirit and in truth. We are to worship the Father in spirit and in truth and put no confidence in the flesh. Would that that be what we're going on today in most churches, right? How do most churches think they worship God? Anybody? We're having a worship service. What does that mean to most people, most Christians? Nobody knows. Good. And we're singing and dancing and, you know, saying that the spirit is moving powerfully and all, Right. Alright, well there's one well, you know, okay, the spirit, but what is missing from all of that is the truth. <laughs> you see it? We worship in spirit and in truth. Worshiping in the spirit means that the spirit of, of of God is opening our eyes to the truth. We worship in spirit and the truth. For such people, God seeks to be his worshipers. So an hour is coming and now is. Jesus spoke that to the Samaritan woman. Therefore, he was saying, listen, since I am here in my public ministry, this hour has already started so that those who were involved in the public ministry of Christ could then worship in spirit and in truth. And that continues into our time. It will continue all the way to the rapture. That's the hour that is coming and now is. Can you see that? An hour that is coming and now I have backwards. An hour that is coming and now is. All right. In other words... The hour is coming and now is, covers the period from the public ministry of Christ to the rapture of the church. From the public ministry of Christ to the rapture of the church. You see, that's the period of time when people can, can hear about the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God made flesh. Okay, That's a, that's a new concept. All right? that, that, that They didn't understand, maybe they should have, but they didn't understand that in the Old Testament. All right, But now that he's been revealed... Right, Those things that have been hidden, but now have been revealed. Therefore, those people who have those things revealed to them, worship in spirit and in truth. They are the ones that that can hear the voice of the Son of God and believe to live forever. So again, the hour that is coming and now is is a technical term for the period between the public ministry of Christ and the rapture of the church. Are we in that period of time? Yes, we are. Why? Because the rapture of the church hasn't started yet, and Jesus Christ has already come. So that's our period of time. That's the period of time that everybody is living in. We tend to think about it as a period of time for the church, but we should also think about it as the period of time for all the people in the world during the church age. Why? Because they have the same opportunity to simply hear the voice of God and believe it and have eternal life also. Need I remind you that things will be a bit different after the rapture of the church. Things will be very different after the rapture of the church. Okay, it's called the Great Tribulation. Okay, that's another period of time. Things will be totally different. You can read about it in the book of Revelation or in many of the prophets. So now is the time. Now is the acceptable time. We want people to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ now, today. It's urgent because we're still in that period of time, the period of grace, where God has not, you know, in the book of Second Corinthians, chapter 5, it says God right now is not counting the trespasses against anyone. God is, you know what, don't take my word for it. Let's go there. Let's go to Second Corinthians, chapter 5. And ask yourself a question. When was the last time you heard this from an evangelist? 2 Corinthians 5. Uh, we'll start in... Verse 17. I love verse 17. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore... If anyone is in Christ, that's believers in that period. An hour is now here and is to come. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. Everything's brand new. Old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. Now, all of these things are from God who who reconciled us to himself through Christ. Christ, the great mediator, reconciles us back with God. And he gave us now the ministry of reconciliation. You know what that is? Preaching the gospel. Evangelizing. The ministry of reconciliation so that everybody can know that through the death of Christ, they have been reconciled to God. That's a work that has already been complete. All right, now, verse 19. I want you to notice what it says. Namely, that God was in Christ, reconciling the elect to himself. Hmm? It doesn't say that? Oh my gosh, the Calvinists are wrong. Namely, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. And notice the next expression. Not counting their trespasses against them. This morning, God is not counting their trespasses of the unbeliever against them. It's not about sin. I have to say this over and over again because you're not only hearing it's about sin... In the world, you're hearing it in the churches, okay? But it's not true. God is not holding anybody's trespasses against them during this blessed time, during this time of grace. Why? Because there's one issue. What's the one issue? Boy, I didn't hear too many people. I guess I have to keep repeating this. Next Sunday, we're going to have the same message, the same one, (laughs) until I have everybody saying, but right, the only issue is believing in Christ, that's it. Not counting the trespasses against them. And he's committed to us that word of reconciliation. So we go out there knowing that God hasn't counted their trespasses against them, and we're representing God in the ministry of reconciliation. The last thing we should be doing is starting to list or count the sins of anybody. No. One issue Christ died for their sins has risen again, whoever believes in him will have eternal life. Okay, let's go back to John chapter 5. Verse 25. John 5 verse 25 once again. Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and now is. Now that you should click and say, that's this. From the public ministry of Christ to the rapture of the church. When the true worshipers... No, wait a minute. Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and now is when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God. And those who hear will live. That's now. All right. Now, this period of time is called the acceptable time in 2 Corinthians 6. Too. We won't go there. The day of salvation. Whether they know it or not, everybody has an acceptable time. Now, in, in broad view, of course, we're talking about the period of time between the public ministry of Christ and the rapture. But nobody lived for that entire period of time. Not that I'm aware of. How old would that make them? Let me think about that. Well, we don't know how old it would make them because the rapture hasn't happened yet. But in any event, it's, everybody has their own period of time. Our own period of time. You know what that period of time is? From the time they're able to hear and understand the gospel to the time they've closed their hearts completely against God. There is a period of time. So if you believe, you'll never get to that end of the time where you've closed your heart. Does that make sense? But, they, but every person has a period of time. It's not going to go on forever. That's the message. It's not going to go on forever. If you wonder sometimes, why is it that certain people in your life never want to hear a thing about Jesus Christ or the gospel. And they've been that way for a long time. It's possible that they have totally closed their heart. Now, that's very sobering. Let's hope that there's nobody that we run into that's already in that condition. Because it's a terrible place to be, obviously. Now, remember I said there's two hours to come. Well, the second hour to come, remember the first hour to come goes between now and the rapture. There's a second hour to come. And in the Gospel of John, it's referred to as the last day. The last day. Let's look at John chapter 6, verse 40. John chapter 6, verse 40. What happens in this? This is the second hour to come. First hour to come, all right, ends with the rapture. Second hour to come is what, in the Gospel of John, is referred to as the last day. All right. Let's, let's look at how John puts it in 640. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in him will have eternal life. Hey, wait a minute, Jesus. You know, you already said that a couple of times. We want something new. We don't want you to repeat the same thing over and over again. And, and you know, it's funny because he says, Truly, truly, I say to you. right. In other words, this is the most important thing. Pay attention. Listen. Listen up. What? Everyone who beholds the Son and believes in him... Notice you behold the Son and believe in Him. It's all about Him. It's nothing that you do. You don't behold yourself and say, Oh my gosh, look at me in the mirror. Look at all the sins I've committed. That's not going to get you anywhere. You behold who? The Son. Not you, the Son. You simply look and believe and live. Everyone who beholds the Son and believes in Him will have eternal life. And I myself, Jesus, will raise Him up on the last day. What is that talking about? Well, we'll see in a minute. But apparently, clearly, there's a last day. I'm going to see what that is now. But that's when Jesus will raise people up, beginning with the people who believe. So in other words, what happens now in this life determines what happens on that last day. What happens now in this life determines what will happen on the last day. What do I mean by that? I mean two things. If you have eternal life now, you will experience a resurrection of life in the future. In what is called in John, the last day. You know, sometimes the word of God works where there's something that's introduced in a simple picture here in the gospel of John. And then as you move through and you start to study the epistles, right, which come after that, which are more revealing of the mystery, you start to have to see that what was referred to as one thing, the last day, now as you get closer, you see it's wider than that, that there's actually a, a period of time that's the last day. It's not literally one day. But for here, that's what Jesus is saying. One, sometime in the future, if you have eternal life now, you'll be raised to a resurrection of life on the last day. But, remember, what's today's message? Life or judgment? Life or judgment? My gosh, he keeps repeating himself. Well, of course, you know why? Because Jesus repeats this four times. in just from John 5, 24 to 29. Being judged already, right? What happens now in this life leads to a resurrection of judgment on the last day. Now, those of you who have studied the end times just a little bit, you understand that there's a resurrection for believers, Okay. There's actually three, as we'll see. <laughs> there, and then after that, there's a resurrection of judgment on the last day, which is the great white throne judgment. We know that, but of course, when Jesus is preaching, the book of Revelation hasn't been written yet. First Thessalonians hasn't been written yet, so they don't know about that yet. Isn't it great to be in the church age? We know things that have never been known before now. That's why people who say, you know, the whole Bible, you gotta take the whole Bible. And you have to pour all of that into the life of the church-age believer. It's nonsense. (laughs) Good luck with that. You know, people say, well, whatever Jesus said and did, that means that we say and do. Okay, well, you see, Jesus, Jesus observed the Jewish feasts. So if you really believe that, you better be celebrating Passover, but not only that, the Day of Atonement, and not only that, but the Feast of Booths and all that. But why don't we do that anymore? You want to know why we don't do that? Because it was all pointing forward to Jesus Christ and he's come. And now we are under a new reign, which is spirit and truth. So in other words, here's the big word. We are dispensationalists. That's a really that's a bad word, by the way, to people who say you have to make Jesus Lord and you're the elect. They don't want to hear that. But they'll say that, you know what? The church started in Abraham's tent. That would be news to Abraham, by the way. All right. For one thing, you know, Abraham, ah, never mind. That'll be for another day. Don't get distracted, John. All right. Being judged already leads to being judged in the last day in the resurrection of judgment. Okay. Go to please go to John 12.48 as we continue. John 12.48. John 6.40, Jesus will raise up believers on the last day, those who have eternal life. However, John 12.48, now if you see the pattern, you know it, you've seen it a few times. What do you think comes after the issue of Jesus raising up those who have eternal life? Life or judgment. John 12.48, he who rejects me and does not receive my sayings has one who judges him. What will judge him on the last day? The word I spoke. You see the power of the word of God? The power of the word of God separates people into those polar opposites. Those who believe have eternal life. Those who reject Jesus and his word are judged on the last day. The word that I spoke is what will judge him on the last day. In the beginning was... The word, right? In John 1.1. 1, 1, that word, who is, who is the person of Christ, now becomes what he says. Okay? What he says. You see, him coming into the earth and preaching and revealing things. You see, what that, that in and of itself will separate people into those who have life and those who have judgment. He doesn't have to do it. He doesn't do it. Why? What did, what did the Father send Jesus in the world to do? To save the world. How does he save the world? Through his word. Does everybody believe his word? No. Therefore, the word splits people, not individuals, hopefully, into those who have life and those who are judged. All right. So in other words, the voice that will one day summon everybody in the tombs is the same voice that speaks the word of God today. Let's go to John 5.26. Let's continue. John 5.26. John Now we go back to the source of it all. This life in judgment. What's the source? Who's the source? God the Father and God the Son. Look at verse 26. For just as the Father has life in himself, even so he gave to the Son also to have life in himself. The source of the eternal life that Jesus gives everyone who believes in him goes all the way back to the Father and the Son having life in themselves. By the way, that means that the son's inheritance, this gets confusing. People think that there was like a day, some people think it was Jesus who was born, where now God the Father then gives life to the son. That's not at all what this is talking about. But Jesus having life in himself was his inheritance from all eternity. This, this happened way back in the mists of eternity past, which we will never really know what all that happened there. We just know what? John 1.1. 1, 1, in the beginning was the word, in the beginning, eternity passed before anything was created. And the word was with God, and the word was God. This was the son's inheritance from all of eternity. And notice the wording, notice carefully what it says. It doesn't say that the father gave life to the son. What, is he, what did he give to the son? To have life in himself. You might say, isn't that the same thing? No, why? Because if it was that, that's all it would say very simply. The father gave the son life. That's not what it says. It says the father gave the son to have life in himself. In other words, the status of having life in himself. The right of having life in himself. When did that happen? Eternity passed. We don't understand what it means. So don't try other than. Jesus is life in himself. He is light in himself. And that has been true for the Son of God since eternity past. All right. The Father also gives the Son... Well, let's see. If he's given the Son to have this right of life in himself, what comes after that? Life or... Huh? Judgment. The father also gave the son authority to execute judgment. Look at the next verse, John 5, 27. Pretty straightforward. And he gave him the authority to execute judgment. Why? Because, he because answers the question why. Why did God give the Lord authority to execute judgment? This is important to think about. Because he is son of man. Hmm. So life because he's the son of God, judgment, because he's the son of man. You see, it's the same person, right? But he has two roles, titles, son of God, son of man. I did did a whole lesson series on this at the conference in in, uh, Arizona this year, on the fact that he's both. But for different reasons, different things that he's about. You see, the Son and the Father, that life in themselves, is about that unique relationship. It's just the two of them. But when you bring man in the picture, now Jesus becomes to us, who also? Son of man. What's that all about? I'm glad you asked, because I have a slide on that. The title, the Son of Man, refers to Christ's mission on earth on behalf of men and women. You see, when we come into the picture, now Jesus has the new title, as it were, son of man. Why? Because it refers to his mission on earth on behalf of men and women. When did, when did Jesus receive life and the son of God receive life in himself? Eternity past. In what, what situation does he take on the role and the title of son of man? Mission on earth on behalf of men and women. Okay. That's really, really important. A lot of people get confused about that. I hope you won't because it's mission on earth. So you think about all the things that Jesus does on earth, okay? His mission is as the Son of Man. All right? This will hopefully clear it up. Son of Man is actually a title given to the Messiah. The Messiah. The promised king. The descendant of David. Divine as well as human. You see, these are the things that the Son of Man does on earth. All right? So you can see this has particular relevance to the Jewish people, the Son of Man. So so it's a title given to the Messiah. By the way, did you know that the the title Son of Man ends in the book of Acts? (laughs) And then from there forward, it's the Son of God. Now, why would that be? Well, because the, the, the epistles talk about who? The church, you see. And this is a title for the king on earth of the Jewish people. All right? Particularly. He's the promised king. He's a descendant of David, divine as well as human. Let's go quickly to Daniel chapter seven, verse thirteen, so you can see this. Daniel seven, thirteen. Uh, looks like I did too much preaching this morning. Ah, it's eleven ten fifty-seven. I'm only on page nine. Oh well i 've slowed down. Why do you think I 've slowed down? What just, what just started? Where are we now? In the public discourse, number one, discourse means teaching. You see, you have to slow down when you teach. See a narrative, you can tell you can kind of say this happened and this happened. When you take the teachings of Christ, now you've got to slow down and understand what he 's saying, and that's what we 're doing. Daniel chapter seven, verse 13. Vision of Daniel, okay? A last day's vision, all right? I kept looking in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, one like a son of man was coming. And he came up to the Ancient of Days, that's God the Father, by the way, and was presented before him. And to him, who? Son of man. To him was given what? Dominion glory and a kingdom on earth dominion on earth glory on earth a kingdom why that all the peoples the nations and men of every language might serve him here on earth his dominion his rulership on earth is an everlasting dominion by the way that means he has to be god divine right that all the peoples might serve him his dominion is an everlasting dominion which will not pass away in his kingdom which he will set up in Jerusalem when he comes back the second time. His kingdom is one which will not be destroyed. Son of God, Son of Man. He has life in himself as the Son of Man, but authority to judge as Son. I mean, life in himself as Son of God, authority to judge as Son of Man. All right, let's go to John five twenty eight. Yeah, from Daniel back to John. John five twenty eight. Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming. Now, we saw in verse 25, he said an hour is coming, and then he added something. What? Remember? And now is. He's dropped the and now is here. You see, it's a different hour that is coming. It's the last day. Notice, do not marvel at this for an hour is coming in which all who are in the tombs will hear his voice. Who? All who are in the tombs, okay, will hear his voice and will come forth. Those who did the good deeds to a resurrection of life and those who committed the evil deeds to a resurrection of judgment. You should have already been able to predict that, right? Life followed by judgment, not in, in terms of how he's teaching. Hour to come, verse 28, okay, is not the death and resurrection of Christ, but that last day. Here, all who are in the tombs are those who have died physically. Remember, in verse 25, dead meant dead in your trespasses and sins, alive physically. Here, verse 28, coming forth from the tomb, everybody who died physically. They will all hear the voice of the Son of God. They will all come forth out of their tombs. Notice there are two resurrections. I heard a bell. Does that mean I have to stop? It's, it's a bell from heaven. You've gone on long enough today, Farley. The hour that is coming, all will hear the voice of the Son of Man. And there are two resurrections now. A resurrection of life and a resurrection of judgment. And those are completely opposite. These are two separate ultimate destinies for two kinds of people. Resurrection of life, resurrection of judgment. Now again this is talked about as one day. and It kind of sounds like they're happening at the same time. Right? If you just read verse 29. They all come forth. You have this picture they're all coming forth at one time. Then you have the picture that there's a resurrection of life and a resurrection of death and they're all happening at the same time. Well, remember I mentioned that uh, the church has had things revealed to us that weren't known before Christ went back to heaven. We now know that the resurrection of life will occur in stages. It's not all in one, one day. The resurrection of judgment is definitely not in the same day as the resurrections of life, because it's going to be a thousand years later. So what was called the last day, or the end times, right, really goes from the rapture of the church to the great white throne judgment, if you know what I'm saying. Over a thousand years. Okay. In John, it's all spoken of as the last day. No distinctions. Resurrection of life itself comes in three stages. Number one, us will be resurrected first as the church called the rapture if you want to read more about that you got two scripture passages there first Thessalonians 4 13 to 18 first Corinthians 15 51 to 57 so the resurrection of life three stages of it first one the church at the rapture isn't it true that all members of the church who are in the tombs will come forth you bet they will, the dead in Christ will rise first, as a matter of fact, right? That's the first one. First resurrection of life. By the way, the resurrection of life is reserved for believers, okay? There's a second one. There's a second resurrection of life, and that's the resurrection of the Old Testament saints. You see, there were believers in the Old Testament, for sure. David and Daniel. I mean, there's a, thousands, hundreds of thousands, probably. <laughs> they get resurrected next, Okay? Church first, Old Testament saints next. You can read about that in Ezekiel 37, 1 to 14. And there's a third one. A third resurrection of life. Believers only, the saints who have eternal life. And that is the resurrection of the tribulation saints. The tribulation saints. So there's a resurrection of life. It comes in three stages. Even though we weren't here first, the Old Testament saints were, we get to go up first. Isn't that something? Why? Because we are in Christ, that's why. Not through any merit of our own. Because God just decided and gave it to us as those who follow after the resurrection of Christ. Now, those are the three resurrections of life. Now, here's the sad news. There's only one resurrection of judgment. And it occurs a thousand years later. That's when it occurs. So everybody who died in all of human race, all the time, they're in the tombs, and then they'll be, they're not believers, they'll be resurrected to a life of judgment a thousand years later. Those who come forth, those who did the good deeds to a resurrection of life, rapture, Old Testament saints, tribulation saints, and those who did the bad, the evil deeds to a resurrection of judgment. i got one more set of business that I really have to get to this morning. Please indulge me. And that is that here we have, it says, those who did the good deeds go to a resurrection of life. Those who committed the evil deeds to a resurrection of judgment. Doesn't that sound on the surface that it just contradicted everything that I taught about this morning? Doesn't it? Now, of course, you know, Jesus doesn't contradict himself. But what's going on here? Well, on, on the face of it, it sounds like salvation by works. It sounds like people's deeds determine which way they go. Do good, raised to life. Do bad, raised to judgment. All right, let's clear that up right now. See, those who did the good deeds actually are simply the righteous. Those who get to do, that's a title for the righteous. So who do you think are those who did the evil? The opposite, the unrighteous. See, isn't it true that the righteous have a resurrection of life and have eternal life? Is that true? The unrighteous have a resurrection of judgment. Right? Does that make sense? And they, all right, so that's, that's what's going on. Okay, that seems to make sense. But here's the final question. Who are the righteous? Now, in, in the Gospel of John, the righteous do the work of Of God, what is the work of God? Please turn to John chapter 6, verse 28. John chapter 6, verse 28. I know you're saying, man, I think it's close to an hour this guy's been up there talking. Yeah, I know. But I'm in the tradition of Paul the Apostle. And there was a time when he was teaching. He started probably at 7 o'clock at night. And it was 2 o'clock in the morning. It was still preaching. And there was a guy who fell asleep. He was teaching for so long. And he fell down and died. And then Paul raised him. Don't get any ideas. Okay, one more. John 6, 28 to 29. Therefore they said to him, What shall we do? What shall we do? That's what everybody, what do I do? What do I do so that we may work the works of God? Jesus answered and said, To them, this is the work of God. What? That you may believe in him who he has sent. You see, those who did the good are those who believe in Christ, those who did the bad are those who don't. God God sees as righteous, God justifies everybody who believes in his son, all the way back to Abraham, who believed in the Lord and and he reckoned it to him as righteousness. Romans 4 says the same thing. Galatians 2, you can find it all kind of places. God justifies, declares righteous whoever believes in the Lord. And so we're right back to that one decision. I don't even like to call it a decision. One choice, okay? You either believe or you don't believe. And it's that simple. All right, let's close. Father, we thank you this morning for making the simplicity of devotion to your, to your son the whole issue. And Father, these things that you've impressed on our hearts this morning, we ask that they would continue to be there when we are witnessing to the unbeliever, because they're the ones who really need to know this. At the same time, let us marvel, let us believe in the fact that you have life, your son has life in himself, you have the authority to judgment, to judge, you've given that authority to the son. We know it all is because of you and the son, we know what the son has done. Help us to be able to communicate that clearly when we have opportunity with an unbeliever. We also ask, Father, for your care and provision as we make this transition from this building to um, Camp Consulting and then as we look for a permanent place. We know that you'll guide us every step of the way and you'll give us everything we need along the way. And we want to thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, one more time. Remember, Bible study this week. You can come here for it because that's where it will be face-to-face, 630. Okay, in the family room right across. You'll also be on Skype for those of you that prefer that. And then next Sunday, Lord's Supper, final service in this building. All right. I guess that's about it. Just remember that the gospel of Jesus Christ, and anyone who needs to hear it, is that. Jesus Christ died for our sins, was buried. God the Father raised him on the third day. And whoever simply believes in Christ our Savior will never perish but have eternal life. Father, we thank you for all these good gifts. We thank you for how you've carried us through every step of the way in our whole lives. And we just ask, Father, now for us to trust you again and that you help us to understand where you're taking us from here. We ask it all in Jesus' name by the power of the Spirit. Amen. All right, you are dismissed. And, well, uh, oh, by the way, we still, if you still want stuff in this building, remember, if it doesn't have blue tape on it, it's yours for the asking. I have tons of books that I'm not going to be able to take with me, by the way. And you're welcome. I'm going to be in there for a few minutes, maybe a little longer even. So if you have any questions, do you have a book about this? Do you have a book about that? All right, just come on by. Um, and that's it.